I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. One of the things I like the most is to be able to have conversations where children and people are at the heart of what we're doing it's not about a subject it's not about a way of learning it's about the people at the heart of it and I think that's so incredibly important and today we've got a subject we've not covered before but something which I think is incredibly important. Now I'm joined by Luke Ramsden and he's the chair of trustees at the school consent project. Now they're a charity dedicated to educating and empowering young people to understand and engage with the issues surrounding consent and sexual assault. Their volunteers deliver workshops that help young people understand what consent looks like, how to give, seek, withdraw and withhold it, how the law works and how to have honest conversations with sexual partners and other people in their lives. Now, I'm really grateful for Luke coming on and explaining exactly how the charity works and, and being able to support so many people to have really important conversations, but also the way they think about how their lives are now and also how these conversations are going to affect them in the future. Hi Luke, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Consent isn't something that we've covered before um, and it's something which is obviously incredibly important and as a father of teenagers, um, very sort of close to my heart in terms of sort of them being aware of, of the importance of it and having the, the self-awareness of being able to sort of be the person they want to be and actually feeling strong enough in order to, to be able to say no or yes or whatever is in, in any given situation. So yeah, first of all, thank you very much for what you do and also for being here. No, thank you. And uh, similarly, uh, father of three teenagers myself. So uh, yes, as you say, uh, consent is this issue, which I think uh, I was talking to some fellow teachers of mine just the other day, and it's become one of those things that's just rather been piled onto schools. Um, and teachers may well nod uh, sort of wearily on this, that on top of everything else, you know, we're supposed to give great, great results and also supposed to look after mental health and also supposed to look after families and the cost of living crisis and this other thing as well. You now we've got this consent. But the thing I'd say that's you know so important about that and the way in which you know, it's very easy to say, oh, goodness me, can parents not just do this? And there's a big part of that. The, the thing that strikes me is it's something that young people actually want to talk about and find it giving them you know a, a way to express themselves and to, to facilitate those discussions is actually something that schools can be really powerful in doing and I think it's very easy to shy away from the discussion about consent and say oh goodness that's pretty tough stuff but actually the more we can lean into it and embrace these conversations I think the more actually we can find that our young people actually have lots of really good ideas and know what they're talking about quite a lot of the time. Yeah, and I think, like you say, having having the structure or, or the formality, which seems a little bit kind of um, 
the the wrong way round in some ways because you'd expect it to be like a private conversation or something which you would sort of sort of have um you know we're just going to sit down and, and have a conversation like this but actually i remember certainly when i was at school you know i mean the the aids crisis was full on and there was there was lots of conversations about that and actually having it where there are lots of people able to express their their concerns and their thoughts and things they'd heard i mean the media isn't anything like it is now of course but but you know it was on the news all the time and there were adverts by the government and that kind of thing and i think having that form and in that form having that forum rather in that formal setting actually was was beneficial certainly for me and i think for many of my friends at the time uh, uh, yeah absolutely and i think it's that rules of engagement sort of how do we have that conversation because having said that young people they want to talk about this they want to talk about it within certain parameters I think they'll be happy to have a certain conversation you know, with a close friend, um, but actually to talk openly you know, with, with strangers, with, you know, um, with, in fact, often boys talking to girls about it, girls talking to boys about it. What they do need, that support, is to have that you know, structure. You know, how are we going to set out you know, how we talk about this, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable? How are we going to make it you know, a factual rather than an emotional conversation these are all things that you know, while I said our young people have lots of things that you know, they can tell us that's the thing that schools can do for young people is to provide that space and structure for them absolutely so let's um let's talk specifically you know the school's consent project what is it how did it come about and, and what's your your role within it so the school's consent project effectively is doing that structure thing and um, it's been set up by um, so, uh, some people, work, uh, some lawyers, and it's based on the law. So everybody's got about 200 volunteers, all of whom are trained to go into schools, but they all work in some capacity in the legal system. And so the crucial thing for me is that it's a charity that works with schools, and we offer workshops for school children of all ages. We're just starting to look at um, working with uh, primary schools. Uh, but we provide exactly what I was talking about there, that safe space and that structure for students to talk about the issue of consent. And for me, what the school's consent project provides that you know, is different from what just you know, talking to your form tutor or your PSHE lead about it is, first of all, uh, a sense of um, legal expertise. It's striking that students, when they're talking to people, they often think, you know, so, well, do you know more than me? You know, what do you know? Show me your credentials, if you like. And mm -hmm. for somebody to be able to go into the room and say, I'm going to talk to you about the law and consent, and I know about this and I'm a trained lawyer, students instantly sort of, oh, I understand that. I, know that can, I can see that you're somebody who's going to be able to tell me really useful things here. And the second part of that is both by not being a teacher and also by approaching from a legal angle, it's, if you like, a, a, a neutral standpoint. And what students are very wary of in, in kind of all, all things that we teach, but I think particularly in consent, is starting off as a sort of um, preaching, moralistic sort of lesson. You know, I think <laughs> students are very wary of the, no, you have to do this, you can't do that kind of approach. And, of course, by the end of a workshop, it's... You know, students are made pretty clear what the right, rights and the wrongs are but approaching that by saying well this is the law this is what it says here this is how it would and, and this is giving them those facts crucially it allows students to draw their own conclusions now those conclusions are the ones that we as if you like the adults will we're nowhere we're heading with this but for students to be able to find their own way through it is something which is much more effective than just 
know, a list of do do's and don'ts by their form tutor. So that's what the Schools Consent Project uh, um, aims to do. And we've worked now with you know, well over 30,000 students around the country. Uh, and it's, um, it's clear that it's providing a really useful support to schools in discussing these sort of uh, key topics. And I think for me, what you mentioned there is so important. And it's something which is sort of cropped up in, in a slightly different way. But I often like to think of it as having, you know, as the adults, whether that's your teacher, parents, whatever, it's kind of ha having that safe environment and also a safe landing um, and that ability to experiment, to talk, to to feel like you're able to sort of just push the boundaries and whatever to say that happens to be, but within an environment that's okay, because as the adults, we know what's okay and what isn't, like say, whether it's to do with the law, whether it's within a school, whatever the framework is. And it sounds very much like this is um, exactly what, what you're talking about. And I think then, like say, with each pupil, each student being able to sort of navigate their own way and actually feel like they've come up with the answers and the solutions themselves like I say it's much more powerful that way absolutely and it's that crucial sense of there was an interesting times article just a week or so ago that i think went quite far in sort of saying oh my goodness are we with all this focus on sexual harassment and violence in schools is there not a danger that you know boys are going to get they call innocent boys will get caught up and will be you know there'll be a witch hunt against them i mean in a sense, a number of people said that the article, uh, which was last Saturday's uh, Times, was uh, really a bit far and you know, possibly verging on the victim blaming kind of thing. But what it did pick up on was this sense of, you know, are we not just um, going to sort of have one one directional traffic and make people afraid to even talk about it? In particular, make boys perhaps afraid to talk about this this sort of thing. Uh, and so I think the, one of the, the most important parts of the workshops we do are actually asking students to discuss openly scenarios. So, for example, with older students, we, we talk about house parties. You know, so the kind of thing, you know, you, a girl comes up to you uh, and she's very drunk and she says, oh, should we go upstairs? You know, what would you do? Does that girl have consent? Does that girl have, no, sorry, the capacity uh, to consent? And to be able to encourage her to say, well, what 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 do you think the answer is that you're wanting to give? What do you think you, know, you might actually do in practice? And actually encouraging them to say, well, these are the difficult things for me. This is why it would be you know really hard to get the, make the right decisions. And then the other thing we do, you're talking about you know, um, finding your own path is uh, and you know, challenging the students is we often then flip these scenarios around. So we might say, I've talked about the scenario saying that a girl's approached you. What if you were to be a boy across the room seeing this playing out? Would you intervene? Would you stop this happening? Or also, what would you see if it was a boy who came up to you and you're a boy? Um, and actually, you know, changing around the, the genders in the different scenarios, um, changing their expectations. And these are all things, actually, the more they get into it, the more actually the students will start to take a lead and actually put their hands up and say, oh, well, what if a girl did that? Now, would that be a bad thing? And so by sort of if you like going into their world and saying well these are the kind of things we know you're experiencing we often find that they really do sort of tend to start to you know get very interested in it themselves and try and work out as groups you know what would we be doing here and hopefully send them away with you no know, better armed so that when they are at that house party there are you know whatever event and they see something happening that they they've got the toolkit to make decisions in a, an educated sensible way 
Yeah, and that experience before the fact is key, isn't it? Because like you say, even if it's just that split second of, no, I've thought about this before. I've had a conversation about this before. And and whatever their circumstances at that particular time, they feel like this isn't you or I was caught off guard or I had no idea. It never crossed my mind before. You're, you're prepped and prepared as best you can be, or at least with something, which is like say, for many people may not have been the case in the past or without this kind of support. Yeah, so it's that classic... Um sort of anti-PSHE statement that some people still come up with this kind of the more you talk about it the more it's going to happen and it's so quite clearly that, no, that that's just not the case what you need to do is say well teenagers are going to do things they're going to experiment they're going to get into all sorts of things. the more we can have them knowledgeable understanding things able to speak out you know the better they'll be able to navigate their way through these these issues because the other thing that, that I, I always say to teachers as well it's not like this is just a school children problem I mean, the amount of these, obviously, as schools, we don't deal with them. The amount of these same issues that will be happening with all the adults in their world as well. You now, if you look in the papers, things about you know, the army, the fire brigade, uh, the police force, you know, it's not just that everybody gets to 18 and suddenly starts understanding about consent. Uh, and I think that's one of the really key things that we're starting to look at in the school's consent project is actually looking at you know, working with companies, working with you know, adult organisations saying, well, actually, it's not that suddenly the grown-ups know what to do. It's absolutely clear to me that this is a society-wide problem, not a school-wide problem. Yeah, and I, mean, I guess there's some really interesting conversations there, like you say, about the real legality of some of the situations as opposed to the moral and the ethical side of things. And and like I say, I'm making a decision which you feel is right with sort of both of those hats on, if that kind of makes sense. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think the one leads to the other, I think, is the key thing. I think by providing them with you know, the facts of, well, that's legal and that's not legal, what it does is it Make, it's a it's a way of you know, a lens through which they can start thinking about the morality of it as well. You know, the whole point is we're not hoping that they're going to leave the workshop just being very clear on you know, the difference between a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old and what defines consent, but also having then from that point thinking, well, what's the way to behave? What's the, the best way to be with these other people as well? Um, so I think, in a sense, it gives you a, a shared starting point. We all know what the law is. We've all got that now. How do we use that in our daily lives? That's the key starting point for me. Uh, and as I say, the key thing that I'm hoping for that as we teach consent in schools is not just that we reduce the amount of sexual harassment and violence in schools, although obviously that is absolutely crucial, is that hopefully we're setting these young people up to be adults who understand about it as well. Because clearly, self-evidently, um, you and I didn't study this in school. Nobody did who's grown up. So it may be that as people go into the big wide world actually having studied this at school, maybe we can actually start to create a, a rather broader change as well. That, that's a, a big hope, but but something along those lines. Well, absolutely. And and, and I think it's, it's interesting, that distinction about being in school and not. I mean, my personal experience was I was in school and then I went to music college or, you know, university. Um, and I think there's also that difference in terms of your life when you're at home, which you often are when you're at school and when you're away. And and so I think people's perceptions of, of, of what 
<laughs> their sort of social life is and that kind of thing changes very much when you're completely responsible for yourself and you're in situations that you may not have found yourself in while you were still living at home you know irrespective of age as it were but just your sort of social surroundings and the sorts of people that you're going to be mixing with. well absolutely i mean in a sense you could find it harder to deal with things when you've gone off and living in a halls of residence let's say as a university or uh, and sort of I, I remember um, one of my favorite se- series Mad Men when you know, they're talking about this life in the 1950s and 60s and you know all this you know, unthinking sexual harassment in the workplace and things like that I mean without being too sort of uh, alarmist when you do read in the papers and things you know, there are various situations in offices which are not so far from that right into the modern world I mean the, the number of articles that you can just see in the press about you know young secretaries being predatory sort of looked on by older people in offices you know, uh, people training to be officers in the army um, recently came up in Sandhurst you know, things haven't moved on as much as we'd like to think uh, and I think again young people going into the workplace being aware of those sort of things and also thinking actually no, if I see that happening here's how I could speak out about it here's how I could actually uh, challenge that I mean one uh, a really powerful play that was recently on. I, I mention this because we've got uh, uh, they, they've been uh, sponsoring the school's consent project. But Prima Facie, uh, starring Jodie Comer, is at the West End and has just moved over to New York. And that's an incredibly powerful bit of drama about a lawyer um, who uh, works uh, on uh, and prides herself on being able to you know, expose the fact that the, the sort of um, accusations of uh, people saying, oh, this happened or that happened, and say, well, you know, I can prove that that didn't happen. I can get my uh, client off. But then she actually gets assaulted. And in the second half of the play, she is having to be on the other end of that and showing the massive difficulties of being a victim and trying to prove that something had happened and get that through the legal system. Uh, and, of course, all the statistics show that some hideously small number of um, assault cases uh, that actually get... Um, charged and and found guilty so one or two percent um is just ludicrous when you think about it and so again you come back to this idea of if we can educate people for these things not to be an issue then that seems the best way to avoid all of those massive problems absolutely and like you say having a clear idea of what to do in any given scenario i've seen this i can speak here i can make this call or whatever it happens to be which like i say i think a lot of these things are in in place now much more than they were but i think unless you know you don't know so like i say it can never be you can never be over informed i don't think from that particular standpoint um within the workshops themselves do you find there are a key themes or or questions that come up that um that sort of like i say sort of probably throughout the country maybe that um that sort of have things in common um i think it's just i think being able to work out um that thing that you were talking about that thing about so um expectations of each other uh, of boys and girls of each other and how that fits with you were talking about morality and, and that link with the law i suppose going from that morality that kind of social expectation and i think one of the key things that we're finding is difficult is so boys have a certain social expectation still you know they are supposed to be strong and manly and you know that's still that sense of if a boy you know has a conquest you know has a lot of girlfriends or whatever there's still a sense whichever way you cut it that people are going to say well done son that's going to be a good thing that that's a positive thing 
And so when they're approaching this, they're trying to, boys are often trying to understand, well, how does that square with this? The fact that actually I need to think my way through things. I, I can't just assume consent. That how does my sort of masculine identity fit with that? And then the other hand, um, just as difficult, if not more difficult, is the you know, social preconception for girls, where particularly with parents of girls, there is a sense of, you know, if you were to have too many boyfriends, that is very much a bad thing. Um, and that there's a certain way in which girls should be. Um, and that again, you know, how should that fit in with this idea of consent? And the fact, you know, girls might be very keen to have sex and actually you know, just as much as boys. Um, and and how, do they, how do they navigate that? So I think it's that crucial thing for me that they're often asking, how does that social expectation or how does that sense of me with my friends fit in with these kind of ideas of, of, of how I should be in that particular moment? Because often a boy, you know, and we'll see on films. I mean, let's think of James Bond films. I mean, there's a man who doesn't know much about consent. Uh, and so if you've watched a few James Bond films, you're not there thinking, well, she's had a few drinks and clearly I should just let her go to bed quietly because she's in no position to do anything. So you've got this very confusing sense of, well, media and, and sort of um, what the world's telling me to do is this. But, I, but actually what I'm being told now is this. And similarly, girls, that sense of, you know, find a, one person. And, you know, if they're very keen on that, you know, isn't that something you should you know, just say yes to because that's kind of your role? And so I think those are, the, those are the key things because we are currently going through a big social shift. I think that's why this is so difficult because we've got the very clear sense of, and quite rightly so, that you know, consent is consent and that we have this equal world in which girls and boys are able to express their individual opinions. But I'd have to say the, the society of media and what is in the, the TV and on films and things hasn't caught up with that. And so these very, very mixed messages that they're getting, let alone you know, from an Andrew Tate type figure who is basically telling you to, you know, literally saying to you know, hit a girl if she don't, won't have sex with you. So th those, are, those are the key dilemmas that they're facing. And I think what just struck me there was the fact that some of these preconceptions, biases, um, however you want to describe it, might be things that you don't, you're not even aware of until you start having these conversations. And and occasionally it still happens to me now. Someone will sort of pick you up on something. And you think, well, where did that comment come from, or where did that thought come from? And you think, but it's just something that's always been part of me from <laughs> whatever age that you know it was just part of society that you lived in or part of your where you live where you're brought up what your religion whatever that happened to be and it's only like say when it's either noticed or picked up or pointed out that you can actually then make that kind of decision of oh actually uh, this was so automatic it wasn't even something that i was purposefully doing or thought it was good bad or indifferent it just was a, a natural response and i think that's why um my big uh, thing when I talk to schools about you know, working with the school's consent project is saying what we want for us is to be like a starting point, a jumping off point for the school. You know, I don't want schools to get a workshop, have an hour with a year group and say, brilliant, we've done consent. That's us ticked off and basically that's what we need to do um, because that obviously won't stick and it's about creating a culture uh, around this whole thing, a culture of consent and how you treat boys and girls more generally. And that's why I think it's something, you know, having said, 
having a non-teacher doing this workshop is a good thing, having somebody from outside the school, it's something teachers have to be involved with. We always ask um, teachers that teachers are, are in the workshops, they don't necessarily have to join in, but they can um, see what, what's going on and be there with their students. But also the real practicality, practical importance of them being there is we hope that they take on those ideas. You know, they've seen that maybe next week or next month or some point. They say, all right, everybody, we, we had that workshop. What are your thoughts? You know, what, how do we take this conversation on further? Because the thing about the, the consent is that it's the right at the heart of you know, the whole broader issue of, as you say, equality between boys and girls. Um, and the, if you like, the, the, the absolute sort of the key point is that consent thing. That is one of the most important and difficult parts of that equality to navigate. But it is much broader. Uh, and so I, I think it is about schools thinking about that culture of equality between boys and girls. And you sort of mentioned the the impact it has on students in terms of of the the people coming in to talk. How, what's the impact on the, the volunteers and and those actually delivering the workshop? That's a really good question. Um, I, I think in, increasingly, you know, they they're able to sort of reflect on as as you know, they become more and more expert volunteers and have gone into you know 30 40 schools i think the really good thing is that they're increasingly able to reflect on each of the schools they've um been to and able to in particular sort of just like we've done there pick out you know, what are the things that i think the students might have concerns about and if you like um start to tailor what they're saying to different age groups so for example if they've talked to 16 year olds you know, seven or eight times in the past they can think to themselves well, actually you know, this is this is the kind of thing I, that I've, I've had before and they can actually start to say to them well actually and other schools have been other boys in other schools have worried about this is that something you're familiar with and again not just have that expertise as lawyers but also expertise as you know, I've spoken to quite a lot of other schools here and that can either interestingly might be different from what that school is the, the students in that school are thinking but far more generally it's a oh well everybody else is like that too and that can be really powerful that if you've been to that sort of 10 20 other schools and you say you know what everybody's got this same worry they have people from Newcastle, people in Wales, people they're all thinking this and it can make the students think oh well you know at least they're very much part of a, a general feeling on this because of course rather like teachers students don't really know that much about what other schools might be like and it can be very easy to think you know there's a particular issue in our school or there's a particular group of students who are having this difficulty uh, what you can see when you sort of move a level up is you can see across all these schools and say this is a nationwide um, issue that you know, our te teenagers have very uh, common uh, experiences that, that very much they can share uh, uh, between them and so that that's again a, a useful part of what we can provide. In terms of schools wanting to, to be involved what's their sort of starting point where do they where do they go where, where's their sort of initial interaction so yes we've got a, we've got a website um schools consent project um and you can go onto that through google or any other reputable search engine um and it's got um uh, it tells you what we do gives you a little overview of the the sort of the, the different workshops uh, but also crucially uh, contact details so you just put the details of your school in and then one of our people will will get back to you you know, within the next day or so so very easy to get in touch with us um, and once we're in touch the, I think the, again the important thing is we can very much tailor what we do to what you're wanting so we've got workshops for you know for 
primary school children all the way through to workshops which really deal with the 17, 18 year olds, they're going off to university, what they might be facing when they're living on their own, student parties, those sorts of things. So very much can be tailored to the age of your students and also to an extent know that the area and you can say no, this is a particular issue in our area. So we very much try and you know, deal with each school on a, on a case by case basis. Um, so uh, very quickly you know, we very, by, perhaps by the next term we might be able to come in and we can offer workshops again of different lengths um, depending you know, we've, we've worked with um, we can send quite a lot of volunteers in to do an entire year group uh, we can just work with a specific class so it's very much a thing that school leaders can you know, work with us to decide what's best for them I think the one thing I would say that we kind of feel is really important is that we prefer not to have one speaker you know, talking to hundreds of people at a time the idea of a workshop model where it's perhaps one volunteer with a class of say 20 perhaps 30 maximum the reason for that is simply because one of the key elements is discussion amongst the students and for them to be able to work with each other as a lecture you know we can pass on information it can work you know you can 150 students can sit there and hear what we've got to say but it very much it doesn't really embed in the same way and so the one thing we'd say to schools is we'd always look to have you know, if you want to have a whole year group you might need three or four volunteers coming in and working with smaller groups so having said we, we can um, you know, be flexible towards the schools that sort of small workshop model is the thing that we found works very much for the best in all the schools we've been to and you mentioned that you've done this nationally I mean um, so in terms of that sort of model of, of volunteers and being able to reach all those sorts of places how, how does that work from sort of a practical point of view sort of from, from your standpoint well we, we are a growing charity uh, and I'd say that we have far more volunteers in uh, the London area than we do in uh, other parts of the country it's something that we're currently expanding um, as fast as we can really um, it's not really the getting the volunteers it's more going through the training process like getting all that up and running but it's something that I'm really pleased to see over the last couple of years has been expanding fast uh, and often we can say to schools you know um, if you're if you if you're sort of out of our area so to speak at the moment that you know we're hoping that as soon as possible you would be in our area or you can send somebody uh, to your neck of the woods so again it's one of the reasons you know, I'm, I'm doing podcasts like this I'm uh, you know we're very much at the moment trying to get the word out about the schools consent project because if you like it be, it's a virtuous circle the more schools ask us for workshops the more we can then uh, train up more volunteers and um, get out there and uh, and spread uh, spread the right messages to schools so this is very much uh, something that's ongoing but um, it's been great over the last two years to see in the wake of you know, everyone's invited all those sorts of things that more and more schools are interested we can train up more and more volunteers we've got as uh, so over about 200 uh, now and uh, ever increasing with our fantastic uh, trainers working with them um, so yeah we're, we're within a year or so we'd hope that we'd have um, that full the national coverage um, even more fully than than at present and is it generally sort of like say um, a solicitor a sort of a law firm as it were that are doing it or can it be individuals I'm just thinking from that sort of volunteer sort of standpoint if there's anyone listening or knows somebody yes well um, very much people can uh, on our website as well there's a bit where volunteers can volunteer 
So if you're listening to this and work in the legal sector and you're interested in volunteering, please do go to our website and you can sign up there. Uh, and it's a bit of both, and because our founders and a number, of, a lot of the trustees work in the legal sector, they actually, you know, will talk to um, you know, some head person of the company, and they will say, "Oh, actually, this is something we recommend for all of our junior people." Um, so we've had a lot of people that way, a lot of people individually. Um, the I mentioned the play Prima Facie, and then that was a real boost for us um, because a lot of people saw that and well brilliant I, I definitely want to volunteer and help with this sort mm. of cause um, so it's, a very, it's definitely a mix but listeners who are who work in the legal sector I and mean, please do get in touch it's something that um, a lot of people have found has really you know, been a, uh, a great thing to be involved in um, something they really enjoyed being part of uh, and of course a you know, fantastic yeah. thing to help with yeah indeed absolutely and so worthwhile um, now, looking back sort of from your school experience, is there an, uh, a teacher or a situation that had an impact and, and, and what was that? Well, looking back, at it, I think the key thing for me when I went into teaching was really stark to me that um, the way in which that teacher perspective um, is a much broader one than students. And as I look back to my time as a student and I I really enjoyed my time at school, hence becoming a teacher probably. Um, but what I always strikes when I look back is the people who didn't enjoy their time at school. And I look back through all years of my schooling and can think back to people who were bullied, who had an awful time, who you know, sat in the library and nobody noticed them. And what strikes me looking back is that there really wasn't much to help them. Nobody was really very bothered, either the students or, crucially, the teachers. So one of the things that's really inspired my own teaching uh, profession has been looking back and thinking, schools can't be like that. And I'm really pleased to say schools aren't like that. But those are the times when I sort of look back and think, well, I may even have noticed these people when I was at school because I was doing quite a fun time. Um, but now as a teacher, it's, those are the people for me that we've got to reach out to and to me ensure that it's not just you know, the strong, confident people who you know bound through school having a great time but supporting maybe the more vulnerable people the, the quieter people the people who might be very anxious and saying you know, we can find a space for you and we're going to support you to have a, a really good time in school as well so th that's what I always look at when I think back to my time at school yeah and so very powerful and and that kind of that human to human contact like I say that being seen in whichever form that comes so I think any given individual I think is really crucial and it's a yeah it's an important theme which which comes up a lot here and you, like I say you, there's always that something which you take away which is like a common thread for so many people and uh, yeah I think the human interaction and that ability to like say to, to at least start the conversation to create an atmosphere and I think like saying these days hopefully I think in inverted commas you know it's much more prevalent than it was but uh, even so it still takes that that one person to to open that door a little bit to to start the conversation or to create the environment which someone can then step to to, to that sort of building that that growth and in, in that confidence maybe in, in being able to feel more secure in their sort of learning situation what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or indeed is there a piece of advice you may give yourself now um, the best bit of advice, probably my form tutor, uh, when I was in the sixth form, and I th it has really stuck with me, particularly going into leadership I in schools and things, is about strength being the ability to look to other people for help and advice. I think it's really um, common for people to think, oh my goodness, I'm not so sure about something, uh, I'm not very confident on this, and just turn inwards. 
I must not let anybody know about this. I can't reveal um, that, that I'm not I'm finding this difficult. Um, but actually, the strongest thing you can do if you're struggling is saying, you know, this is a thing I find. No, I'm not. A, not this is my strength. I would like somebody else to help me with this. I want to take your advice on this. And particularly, I'd say, you no, know, with young teachers, there can be that sense of you close the classroom door and you might have 50 minutes, which is just absolute hell on earth, where year 11 or something give you absolute grief and are behaving terribly badly, and there's, and you they're thinking, well, I must tell nobody about this. This must be my <laughs> terrible shame. And what I'm always saying to junior, to, to younger teachers, saying, just tell us about it. You know, we can help you. We can get you to sort this out. And the same with students. Very often, students who struggle you know, with a particular subject or a situation, they might think, well, you know what, I, I don't want to tell anybody about this. I'm going to just keep my head down. I'm going to hopefully go under the radar. So one of the both teachers, students, well, anybody I come, acro come across, it's that idea of trying to encourage them to say, this is what I'm good at, that's great, I can share that, but this is what I'm not good at, and this is where I can ask for help, this is where I can um, seek support. So that that's the advice I would give to uh, a younger myself, and I, I tend to give to younger teachers, students. Yeah, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, is there a resource that you'd like to share? And it's going to be anything from a podcast, a book, video, song, but something which has had an impact in some way, either personal or professional. Um, good question, though. And so, and just more generally, and that it's often very tempting to go for sort of a, a podcast or website or whatever. I think for any students or teacher, I think to always try and find a book about something. This might sound really, really obvious, but what I'm always constantly telling my students in particular is the thing about books is they've had an editorial process and a number of people have had to say, you know what, I think that's good as well. And so there's a sort of sense of if it's somebody's managed to get it printed as a book, you can be relatively sure that there's something really useful about that. Whereas recommending a website or recommending a podcast, there's that sense of well, it might be good, might not be so good. So that's um, just sort of a, a relatively uh, uh, sort of a, a broad brush approach to things. But um, I think that's something which I think even professionals, I think, as much as students, should think about rather than just doing that classic, oh, I'm doing that thing, right, I'm just going to Google that and see what comes up first on my search engine. I think looking a bit more deeply into things. Yeah, I think that's, that's an incredibly good point and really interesting because, like you say, information is everywhere, but good information and well thought through research, especially like I say, if it's something that you're involved in or studying and even more important that you're reading and, and taking in and applying the right things as well. And uh, yeah, it's not something I've heard put that way before, but um, makes so much sense. And I think, yeah, very, very beneficial. Well, I think just just uh, on that one, I, a classic example. So it was um, I was just looking through my Twitter feed this morning and it just shows, uh, I always think this every day when I look at my Twitter feed, how people just blindly take on information. So currently circulating on Twitter is a uh, video of um, some Tunisian immigrants in, in Paris and the subtitle on it is these people are saying that they're going to attack our women and behead us and take over our continent. The actual French that they're saying is they're saying how proud they are to be immigrants to France and how they're really fed up with the government getting at them given they are they're really happy sort of French citizens and but people haven't even bothered to translate the French. And so it's that thing of this thing is now going to go to thousands, millions of people's phones and thousands, millions of people are going to become absolutely outraged about this thing, which isn't at all true. I think that that sort of sense of 
as say soundbite instant information which isn't even true at all is a real problem and so that sort of encapsulated the problem for me I thought this morning I think that's so true and and it'd be interesting actually like I say as parents of of teenagers at at what age that becomes less prevalent in as much as the ones that have grown up with it so much which they do just think that just is a headline I'm not getting involved in that and those that actually still sort of buy into that that may be like say we might do as adults because we sort of come to it as a slightly different generation and, and a different situation of of it being new to us rather than completely growing up in that same in that same scenario. As a teacher and sort of working with parents and students, I have to say, unfortunately, everybody's just as bad as, as each other. And it's one of the things that sort of different podcasts. This probably, but um, we're actually starting to teach about you know understanding digital media as one of our lessons that we do to actually start students to being a little bit more discriminating and uh, understanding of what's on there. But um, I, again, I'm afraid, just like with consent, grown-ups are just as bad as children at this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they, like I say, there's a, probably a whole podcast yes. series about <laughs> all of those things in, in, in one fell swoop. <laughs> um, and and just to, to, as we start to round up then, the acronym FIRE is incredibly important, obviously, here at Education on FIRE. And by that, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, in empowerment what's the thing that strikes you when when you hear those words well i think the crucial thing i i, I really pick up on that last word the, the empowerment idea i think and i think what we've been talking about today is is all about those words you know feedback you know having information understanding what's going on but that the end goal of that the end goal of all of education it strikes me is about empowerment of people you know you can't be resilient um, without that information but you the empowerment in this case with the school's consent project the empowerment to act in a way that you know is right or indeed to tell other people the way in which they should be acting and i think that that is what education should be focused on entirely the empowerment to act on what you know is right or you know is the best thing to do and to you know go out there and, and as teachers always want to, to change the world absolutely well luke thank you so much for joining me it's been it's been fascinating to to cover a topic which i haven't covered before um but also i think in such a way that people can really understand and relate to whether it's as a teacher like say as a, a legal professional um and i think also if any students listening as well that understanding like say the legal black and white and and uh, and all those other things that we've talked around as well so um, just remind everyone again of, of that website and where people can can get involved it is um schoolsconsentproject.com it's all one word or if you just type in schoolsconsentproject um, into a search engine of any sort uh, then that will come up fantastic and we'll have a link directly on the show notes as well so you should better click straight through there as well yeah so luke thank you i really appreciate it fascinating conversation and um yeah keep up the great work thank you very much thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.